0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 121 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan. With me, as always, is Andrew Brown. Hello, and Tori Wasanar.
1: Good time of day.
0: Uh, and we're going to talk about the Nintendo Direct Mini that aired earlier earlier in the week. We're also going to talk about Dragon Quest Builders very briefly, uh, Panzer Paladin, and Superliminal. Uh, so with that, let's get right into it. <laughs> Okay, so Nintendo did a uh, Direct Mini during the week. They were very, very clear before it went live that it was a short Direct focusing on a few already announced games uh, from their publishing partners. Uh, Of course, the fans thought that meant that Breath of the Wild 2 was going to be shown in more detail. I have no idea what happens with Nintendo fans and their expectations when these things come along. Um, I know these conferences have, you know tend to have the odd surprise, the one more thing but if they're explicitly telling you something it's because they're trying to manage your expectations. So yeah Uh, so we weren't expecting anything special and I don't think any of us thought that we did but there there were some interesting things so uh, the first thing they announced was uh, Cadence of Hyrule uh, is getting three DLC packs and a physical release, something I'm excited about because I'd like to have that in my collection Uh, the first one is a character pack which features Imper, aria frederick shadow link and shadow zelda second one is a melody pack with 39 new songs including remixes of existing tracks and the last one is story content uh, symphony of the mask where you play as the skull kid uh, and you get different abilities when you change your masks Uh, am i right thinking all three of us were big fans of this one Tori, you went with us at that time
1: uh i've played it
0: i
2: liked it Uh that sounded pretty lukewarm to me.
0: Yeah, I, uh, we're going to have to have a think about yeah. you. Oh, we're no.
2: going to have to reconsider your application at this point. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: so yeah, I I love Cadence of Hyrule a whole heap, Andrew, I know you did. Story content, that's what's got me in this one.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm excited for all of it. Uh, excited to replay all of it when the physical version comes out in October because i had it digitally which is fine uh but if there's going to be a season pass out for it and i'm gonna have to pay 20 dollars for that anyway if i can get it for mm. 40 dollars physically and get that season pass too i'd rather go for that so
0: yeah it also looked like you could um change the track at any time with the dlc that that seemed interesting i don't know how that would have any effect on on gameplay or the, or the pacing or whatever the th- Thing that worries me is getting used to new characters with the rhythm aspect, especially Skull Kid, where you can change the abilities on the fly. Um, well, a yeah,
2: superb game. The character you should be worried about is Aria because I didn't talk about this in the direct, but Aria is from the original Crypt of the Necrodancer, and you get one health with her. So if you make a mistake, game over.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I had been meaning to go back and replay with uh, Zelda as well. I've only played it through with Link, so. Yeah, I should get on that. Like I should many other things. <laughs> uh, the second thing they showed off was uh, Rogue Company, uh, another uh, free-to-play multiplayer game from Hiro Studios. Uh, again, both both their games that they've launched on Switch already, me and Andrew were, were big fans of. I thought they were really good ports. Tori, have you played any of those?
1: Uh, I play Paladins. I'm pretty sure that's the same.
0: yeah. But- uh, Paladins, and then there was the battle royale one with fantasy elements, and also which, Smite. You know, yes, yeah, Smite too. Oh, yeah. cool. Uh So this one has a bit more of a, a realistic graphic set, uh, although the gameplay didn't look any more realistic. It, it seemed to me in the early teaser trailers that it was more of a like a, a Rainbow Six team-based shooter focus than High rezs other stuff. Now I believe you two both have had access to this
1: yeah I've got a code because you can't download it for free yet. Yeah, it will be free but
0: yeah I, I've seen the several options on the store and I'm just going to wait for the free version Andre, you've been playing it as well?
2: Yeah, I got a code for the alpha actually a couple weeks ago and then the game launched already which surprised me I was like I just got into the alpha whoa, whoa, whoa. why are you launching the game already? <laughs> and then I got another code from another gaming site for the founders pack version and then i booted the game up and to my dismay there's the exact same content here that was in the alpha there there's not a lot here it doesn't feel like it's a game that's ready to launch especially not with multiple tiers of pricing (laughs) and no Mm free-to-play option yet if it it feels very rudimentary it looks really good especially for a switch game uh, for a multi-platform release switch game but you've got two modes where one is a team deathmatch mode and one where one team has to plant and explode a bomb and the other team has to stop them that's it that's what's in this game right now uh, mm. <laughs> like the trailer said there's going to be a pve mode and i was like oh cool i'll, I'll check that out definitely it's not here Yeah, i i was pretty disappointed with with this package right now like high res studios past games have had the advantage of being several years old before they launched on switch so they started with Mm -hmm. a lot of content this game is brand new so there's not a lot here yet
0: Uh, and sorry i believe you had some technical issues
2: yeah it
1: crashed mid-game twice
0: (sighs) but uh the real injustice here is that uh you two got codes, so I didn't. I, I see what's going on. Uh, and uh, yeah,
2: now both of you are in probation. So. Well, <laughs> enter the contest, Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never. I don't want to have to
0: enter things, they should just come to me. Uh, so, the uh, one of the other things they showed was WWE 2K Battlegrounds, which is more of a, an arcade spin on uh, wrestling. I have to admit, I am not a wrestling guy. Uh I was into it briefly as a kid, um, but I did have a f- lot of fond memories of uh one of the NCW games on N sixty four, one of the few they actually rebought since I got my my new N sixty four. Uh either of you two wrestling fans, any interest in this one?
2: No. Now, like you, I played a couple of the wrestling games during kind of like the golden age of wrestling video games in in the late 90s, mm. but I, I have no interest in this.
0: Uh, I think this is from the same developers as the NBA uh, basketball game that's on Switch as well. Uh, not play. Uh, what are they called?
1: Yeah, NBA Playground or
0: something? Yeah, that's it. it. That was the game, uh, and that team has since joined 2K to start rebranding stuff as well, so... <laughs> And then the big surprise of the Direct Mini was uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster. Uh, now, I, I came into the series with, or into the Shin Megami Tensei series in the spin off Persona 4. Uh, I've not played any of the core games. I think I own one of them on 3DS, but I haven't booted it up. Uh, now, this is like a highly popular jrpg uh I, th- I think it's more of a niche title than a lot of those we we cover on the show this one was a remaster of a ps1 game i think
1: uh, it's either one or two I, I don't know
0: certainly looks interesting i, I notice uh, recognize a lot of the demons from a time with uh, the persona series uh, and this i feel is just more of a a sweetener for the next thing that they announced, which is, well, I mean, we already knew it was coming, but Shin Megami Tensei five, but they announced a launch window for it, which is a very broad one of uh, 2021. Andrew, uh, have you ever played Shin Megami Tensei at all? I know you haven't bothered with Persona, really.
2: No, the only thing I've played is Tokyo Mirage Sessions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't have strong feelings about it.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about playing the, the remaster. I'm more interested in, in five and seeing...
2: What they can do now. Well, they said five uh, is a sequel to three, so I think that's the main reason that they ported it. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Need to get those storylines in order, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, so that that was about it for the direct. there um, yeah, it was all right. Uh, I, I my expectations were kind of tempered, though. I did have a, a wild prediction beforehand, which was off the mark. Um, I was disappointed we didn't see anything about Doom Eternal. Uh, As much as I bounced off that game on PC, because it is a bloated mess compared to the original. Yeah, how are your thoughts on on the director? I I got the impression we've got another one coming soon, which would be their proper main one for their first party stuff.
1: I was happy enough with it, with the expectations that they set.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Because I actually listened to what they were (laughs) saying, that it's just third parties, it's stuff that's already announced. And then we got the Shin Megami Tensei news, which I was hoping for. I'm quite happy.
2: Well, high expectations is a consequence of a successful product, which is why mm-hmm. the more successful a product is, the more inevitably you can't please your fans. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, I had no expectations for this Direct, so I was not disappointed at all. Uh, I had already gone <laughs> through that in the first half of the year, waiting months and months and months for that Direct to finally come out, and then borderlands which was great but <laughs> I, I i'm not letting myself go through that again nintendo seems to be completely frozen as far as their outgoing media you know especially their nintendo directs because of covid19 i don't understand why it's so hard to just do some voiceovers over some trailers they've got to do the big production i guess otherwise they don't want to do it and mm. uh this is what we're getting so i'm like okay well i'll just i'll wait for release dates to come out that's fine and uh, i just won't be excited for directs anymore
0: <laughs> i think it would have been a little better if they'd launched the free version of rogue company as a out now because you know i saw it in the trailer they said check wait for more news on it and then i ran to the store and saw that it was all expensively priced and i was just like yeah okay i'll wait So yeah, so that's that's that for Switch news, Uh, let's uh, jump into what we've been playing this last week. Okay, let me just preface this uh, section by saying I've uh, not had much time for much of anything this week, I I got my minimal amount of chores done in Animal Crossing each day, uh, and such has been the way the week has gone. Most of my time I've been wanting to play like low-investment stuff and stuff where I want to shoot things. Uh, so that's been me playing what little time I've had on other platforms. I haven't even booted up Paper Mario since last week. Uh, I'm hoping to get some of that in in tonight after we finish recording. I have been playing something on my Switch Lite, though. Um, I finished Mutant Year Zero on Switch Lite like about a month ago, and I've, I've been struggling to land on something that I wanted to play on it. Uh, I've gone through some things like uh, Sushi Strikers, which I mentioned, which I bounced off, I thought it was awful. Uh, I started up Puzzle Quest, which I think is great, but I just wasn't in the mood for that sort of thing. And I've kind of settled on uh, Dragon Quest Builders, uh, much to Andrew's delight. Uh, I said I would get to it eventually. And I've I've probably played like a collective two hours at this point, uh, just like in little spells before bed. But so far, I, I absolutely adore it. Um, the you know we Andrew spoke about it in length previously, but the you know the sales pitches it's uh, it's Minecraft with a purpose. You get missions, there's a story you follow through, uh, and that, that's the thing that sets it apart. Um, just makes me laugh how even though it is it is Dragon Quest and everything is Dragon Quest themed, I can't see the landscape without mentally like clocking it as Minecraft, just with <laughs> with the, with the uh, voxel blocks and everything so yeah, my last action in that I I sort of started building the rooms on on the city Uh, I've got two people helping me, one of them seems a bit evil, which I'm sure will come to light soon and I've just built some sort of teleportation device and I haven't figured out what that does yet so I think I've got a long road ahead of me on that Uh, any tips Andrew before I get too deep into this game?
2: Pray. (laughs)
0: which of course is an important mechanic in the mainline dragon quest games and and leveling and (laughs) uh you played this one at all Tori?
1: no not at all unfortunately
0: yeah i think i would have played a lot more had i still been working most of my time in the office but it's just been restricted to uh, a day a week or something at the moment so haven't had to travel at all that much so yeah, uh, I'll I'll fill you all in on how I go with that, but uh, yeah, I like, like it a lot so far. Not really much to say, it's, it's, it's Minecraft with a purpose, and that's the thing that I like about it, so... Okay, Andrew, you said you were playing Panzer Paladin last week, and I believe you got around to it? Yes, I did. And how are you finding that?
2: I enjoyed it, it's uh, another retro platformer, so... That's your expectations right there. I think just from saying that, you already know exactly what this game is. This is inspired by the 8-bit era video game, so it looks and it plays a lot like a late NES platformer. Um, You play as two characters simultaneously. You play as first this pilot named Flame, uh, who is this little person who, who can slip into gaps in the levels, and she has this rather weak whip weapon. Uh, but that's not where you spend most of the game playing as. Most of the game you spend playing as the suit of armor that she pilots, whose name is Grit, and Grit is kind of a character, but not as much as Flame is. You don't hear from Grit as much as you hear from Flame. Grit is much bigger, he's much more capable of fighting. Uh, He has several attacks that he can use. He can hit high, he can hit low, Uh, he can jump in the air. If he hits up, it'll give him a tiny bit of thrust into the air, and if he he can do a down slash, so he can bounce off of enemies' heads, Zelda Two style. Uh, he he's a much more offensive character, and he's much better to get around in because he he also has like seriously, he's five or six times more hit points than Flame does. If you're if you're running around with Flame, you're you're in trouble. But the real claim to fame in this system, yeah. the real <laughs> claim to fame in this game is the weapon systems. Uh, Weapons drop randomly from enemies, and the types of weapons you got depends on the level that you're in. And I should say what the game is actually about. Uh, At the start of the game, all these meteors from space impact into different continents on Earth, and all these meteors just happen to be shaped like weapons, and from them they start generating demon armies, which start attacking all the different nations on Earth. So Flame and Grit have to go from nation to nation to nation, defeating these demon armies, which just so happen to take the shape of the local culture's demons. So if you go to China, then you fight Nyan the dragon, and if you go to Greece, you fight Medusa, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, Amusingly, if you go to the United States, you fight Lilith, who is from Christianity. So I I thought the... uh, the uh developers made quite a statement there with that choice <laughs> <laughs> but now when you're fighting these demons they drop these weapons and the weapons are also culturally specific so like uh i think is how you how you pronounce it. I, I probably pronounced that wrong that drops in mexico in the, in the south america area uh, those are those huge like boards with the nails shoved in them they're they're really nasty looking weapons uh Kotal Kahn and Mortal Kombat uses them that's the kind of weapon I'm talking about and uh you know big Zui handers drop in Switzerland it's it's all very culturally specific which I thought was a, a nice touch uh but the weapons are all statistically distinct they all have different ranges they all have different damage they deal and they all have different durability they last for before they break and you have to switch to the next weapon. And you can also choose to break a weapon prematurely and that will cast a spell. And every weapon has different spells, like some of them will increase the durability of your next weapon, some of them will fill the screen with a thunderbolt attack, some of them will heal grit for you a little bit. So there's a a pretty interesting system there. Uh, I found the best way to do it was to use a weapon until it was just about broken, then break it to get its spell effect. Because there didn't seem to be any difference in spell strength, depending upon how much durability I had, so... That, that seemed like the best strategy. But the weapons have much more uses than just in combat. Like, if I want to use a checkpoint, I can't activate it until I shove a weapon into it. So that was another reason to use a low-durability weapon there, or maybe just a weapon that isn't very useful at that point in the game for you. Just shove it in the checkpoint. That way you can respawn there if you die. And also, after every, after every level on the world map, you can go to the lab that Flame and Grit work for, and you can actually sacrifice... The weapons you have there to buy health upgrades for grit. But even all that together it was only less than halfway through the game that I I'd, I'd bought everything that there was to buy with these weapon sacrifices and I just started building up this huge stockpile in my inventory of weapons. I got, I got them faster than I could use them. And it, that builds up this stack called the Spirit Burden. I never fully understood what the Spirit Burden meant. Because it keeps track of it in your inventory menu and like I was up to like 15,000 by the end of the game and there were like these messages underneath it that says the world has grown more dangerous and I, I have no idea what this actually meant because the game didn't feel like it got any harder and there's the traditional easy medium hard selection before you even start the game so there's that aspect of the game but I have no idea what it actually did. <laughs> Uh, but the the most interesting thing, and this is really what, what drew me to the game, was there's also a weapon forge, which is on the main menu before you even get into the game, where you can draw and statistically build your own weapons, which then get added into this pool of weapons that this mini-boss that you fight in literally every single level, he's called the Horseman, and... Uh, After the first checkpoint in each level, you'll fight him. By the end of the game, I was very good at fighting him. I could beat him without getting hit, and he wasn't that hard of a boss in the first place. And uh, he drops these super special weapons. Like, some of them I could tell were just, like, wacky weapons the developers had included. But (laughs) I can also make my own. I made Cloud's Buster Sword because I knew I could make that super fast without having to worry about what it looked like. Uh, Otherwise, I probably would have made the Master Sword, (laughs) but I I didn't. Feel too confident in my ability to actually <laughs> make the master sword in, in a in a way that you could tell it was the master sword because it would really bother me if I didn't do that. Uh, and uh, this also adds your custom weapons to an online pool that gets disseminated online uh, to other players. It could potentially appear for them too. Like I, the game had just come out when I played it, so there wasn't much uh, floating around out there some of the weapons that dropped for me from the horse master was like there was a spiral bladed sword called a candy cane which healed me when i broke it uh, and more interestingly there was a Akasa obake which is the uh the umbrella yokai i found one of those which was kind of interesting my, my only real complaint with the forge was uh there's a really ugly color palette you're limited to mm. you can use <laughs> black gray no black white orange and yellow Are the colors you can use to make these weapons so that's kind of repulsive but that's the color palette that grit uses so since this is trying to stick to the graphic aesthetic of an 8-bit game like everything that is part of a character has to stick to a very limited palette and orange is the main color you get for your custom weapons so i think that's going to really restrict what what you're capable of doing with this system, but I still think it's a cool system. I appreciated seeing it. Now when you're using these weapons in combat, again this plays a lot like Zelda 2, where there are some enemies that you just hit, you can beat them just by hitting them, but other weapon other enemies are special. They have shields that they block high and low, and they have high and low attacks which Grit can block by blocking high and low, uh, by just standing neutrally or crouching and not attacking, he'll block with his shield. It's straight out of Zelda 2. If you played that, you'll be very familiar with it, but it's not as hard as Zelda 2 was. Uh, I don't want to scare people away by repeatedly saying, Zelda 2, Zelda 2, Zelda 2, because I know people don't like that game. (laughs) Uh, But but it's the same system, but it's made with more modern sensibilities, so it's easier to read, and it's not as punishing if you're not able to... uh, successfully block attacks my play experience wasn't flawless uh again going back to the 8-bit aesthetic a lot of the levels are restricted to a very limited color palette this makes it immediately recognizable which level you're in but it's not always clear what is a foreground object and what's a background object particularly in the united states level there were a bunch of times i jumped straight into a pit of spikes because there was this decorative object sitting on top of the spikes i thought was a platform but wasn't it was actually a background decoration and i couldn't tell which was which so that was a, that was the biggest problem I had with the game uh another problem I had was it's too long like there's seventeen levels in this for a retro platformer that's massive that's huge um there's this first set of levels that you do, and then once you've cleared all those out, then another set of levels appears, and you've got to go and do those to get to the to the final boss in the ending. Either one of these level sets would have been. An, a complete game by themselves, but they're both here, and there's it's just huge. And there's also a speedrun mode, and there's a remix mode, which remixes all the levels. So, like, there's a lot here to keep you busy. This is not like like a little piddly $2 retro platformer that you'll buy, and you'll beat it in an hour, and you'll be done. Uh, there's a, a pretty decent amount of content here. It's just, for a single playthrough, I, I feel it's, it's too long. And it's also thematically confused the ending i got was flame and grit after defeating the army they they retired to help rebuild the world and put a stop to weapons uh which was great and then it kicked me to the main menu which has the forge where you can go and build and disseminate weapons so that that didn't really work but uh overall i still recommended it it's a it's a cool like fairly well made retro platformer it's got that weapon system to really Hold it up. I think, I think this is gonna be a game that has some legs for a while. Like it's not gonna be up there with Shovel Knight, but it'll be fondly remembered. I think. Yeah, when I looked it up in the store,
0: I, my first thought was, "This looks like Shovel Knight," but it uh, <laughs> uh, sounds interesting. Uh, the the too long thing puts me off. I'll be honest.
1: Um, um, oddly enough, when you said Zelda two, I got interested. <laughs> application approved. <laughs> That, Zelda Two is my first ever video game. Wow, so, what
2: a start!
1: Well, well, <laughs> right. Welcome to big school. <laughs> I started right away hating myself. Well, I'm a yes. Zelda Two
2: apologist. Like I, I know it has a lot of problems, but I I really do like it, and I'm perfectly willing to help people get through the early game because it actually is a pretty good game once you understand how all its parts work. It's just it does a really bad job of teaching you that.
1: Yeah, and so having a game that kind of has all of that But with more modern sensibilities Sounds really interesting to me, actually
0: Nice uh, So maybe we'll hear from you about this one in the future Who knows? Hopefully uh, But what we will hear about from you now Is Superliminal uh, Which is a first-person puzzler uh, I've seen the name Portal thrown around uh, when this game has been mentioned. Have you finished it? How are you finding it? I'm a few hours in.
1: Um, I would, probably would have finished it if it weren't for the fact that there are very big frame drops in this, but we'll get oh. to that later, because there's a lot of good stuff that's keeping me going still. Um, basically... I remember seeing this one quite a while ago it's like a mix between you know that street art where if you look at it from a certain perspective it looks like it's part of the environment around it but any other one it's like completely mm-hmm. stretched out yeah like uh people in adelaide have done pits
0: in the mall and and things like that yeah Yeah, so if you stand at a certain angle Yeah, it looks like a a deep pit But, you know, it's a flat image That you have to stand at a a certain angle To get that effect from Exactly
1: And uh, they're playing around with that quite a bit in this As well as just the forced perspective I don't know what you'd call it A gimmick? uh, A theory? It's basically that, you know, if you hold up If you see someone in the horizon And you hold up your thumb next to them They're technically the same size to you, but Mm -hmm. you know that it's a man and it's he's gotta be, you know, as tall as you and Mm -hmm. your thumb is
2: Yeah, it's called force perspective.
1: Force perspective. Uh, it basically brings both of those things into uh, a mechanic to solve puzzles to move through this game world. So if you want to make things like ramps or boxes to climb bigger you basically just hold it up against the distance And without you even really Like, I can't pick it um, It'll just change size And it's so fluid And I, I've made games before So I, I know how to look for all the little tricks But I don't know how they're doing this one Yeah, in the in the
0: trailers it looks really uh, Really trippy Like some uh, MC Escher Yeah, that's... stuff. It's, yeah.
1: That's another good um, reference point. It's just that sort of... You have to force your brain to think in a completely different way than how reality actually works. And they actually set that up in the whole sort of setting a narrative of it where you're in a dream lab, basically. uh, Or a sleep lab. And you're in a dream. And that's why they can get away with doing all of these things. Apparently it's some... Therapeutic thing to make you sleep better Mm -hmm. And Very soon into the game You You kind of pull a portal and break The simulation Um, The execution of the sort of Light narrative I don't think is done Incredibly well, you'll find radios Every now and then that will be from The doctor of the actual real Lab going "Uh, Quick update, we don't know where you are I hope that helps. <laughs> Funny the first time, but then it, they keep doing it. Like like a low-rent Cave Johnson. Yeah. Um, have you ever played The Stanley Parable? No, it's been on my playlist
0: for ages. Uh, oh. I've got it installed on Steam, ready to play.
1: It's a short one, depending on how you play it. But it, it's got that sort of feel to it, where you've got the, the British voice, very calm, very... A matter of fact, we don't know where you are and then another radio we still don't know where you are. <laughs> it gets a bit boring. you kind of hope that they're gonna do something fun with it, but it seems like they kind of ran out of ideas after the first one. Mm-hmm. which is a shame. but the puzzle solving is quite interesting but also repetitive. Um, I've had to use the same solution multiple times in different puzzles. And the solution is just find a wedge of cheese and turn it into a giant ramp to climb up a thing. <laughs> Bit disappointing.
0: Yeah, that sounds a shame. Because the the trailers I've seen, there's like a whole bunch of things like where you make a toy house massive to move through to the next room
1: and... Yeah. And it'll also play around with not just the the shape and size of things, it'll also play around with the expectations of how objects will interact with reality. Mm-hmm. Um there's a whole section where you're playing around with uh, with these dice And sometimes they're just pure cubes And you just make them larger and or smaller And climb up them or whatever And then one of them or just randomly You, you pick it up and then it's half a cube instead um, One of them is you make it big And it turns into an actual room that you can walk into mm-hmm. um, It's just that those moments are very few and far between Um,
0: Well, that sounds a shame
1: Yeah There's a lot of potential, but I think Like when you get right down to it from a game perspective There's only so much you can really do with this sort of gimmick And they're trying to stretch it out And that kind of just leads to a lot of repetition And I don't know how far into the game I actually am But about two or three hours in And it's only made me you know think outside of the box that they keep on setting maybe once or twice yeah it, it it's just a it feels like a waste of potential that that's i guess the overall point is it's a really fascinating concept and so far from what i'm seeing they could do a hell of a lot more with it
0: so i just looked it up on howlongtobeat.com they got it as two hours if you just play through the the game quickly but if you want to do extra stuff three and a half hours okay um which is that's pretty damning if if you're saying the puzzling out stays at welcome and it's only
1: two hours, <laughs> two hours long. Yeah, I'd really love to recommend it, but uh, at the price that it is, it's uh, I think twenty five or thirty Australian dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what was putting me off.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I bought it on a whim just because I loved the trailers for it, but it really just turned out that the trailers were pretty much it.
0: Uh, now you mentioned the performance.
1: Yes, so when the main gimmick is that things will change size when you're holding them and you're looking around, there are some pretty heavy frame drops. Um, Not unplayable level frame drops, but enough that it makes manipulating objects really tedious more than it has to be. Mm -hmm. So however they're computing this whole... Change the size of an object Depending on where you're looking Thing I think it's a bit clunky Okay For the Switch
0: Yeah that's a shame So it might Sounds like it could be interesting But maybe best to play it On another platform If you have access to one
1: Exactly I I think that Something like this I'd be fascinated to see In VR Because That would be mind-blowing If they could pull that off But Mm -hmm. As it is I'd say Wait for it to be like Five, ten bucks.
0: Good call. Uh, the thing that it reminds me of is, uh, and I hate to mention it, uh, Father Ted, just because the creator of it is a disgusting human. <laughs> um But there's just this particular scene where both, both of them are in this caravan. Uh, one of them's not very intelligent, and the smart one's holding a toy cow, and he's saying, this one is small. Those ones are far
1: away. Yes. That's... And that's, that's the whole conceit of this game. I <laughs> <laughs> be surprised if that's where they got the idea. <laughs>
0: uh, so, yeah, that's a shame. Uh, p- good potential, just com- completely unrealized, and some spotty performance. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's about it. Anyone checked out anything else, even, you know, just lightly?
1: Well, I did check out a little bit of um, Rock of Ages 3. Oh, yes. Uh, I'll have more to talk about next time. I was hoping to talk about it this time, but it's got a whole level creator thing like Super Mario Maker Mm -hmm. where you can upload levels that you create. Um, The basic gist of it is that it's a tower defense game where you're rolling giant rocks down to destroy your enemy's base. Um, And you're also defending your base... By building those towers to kind of slow it it down So it seems like they've really expanded on that concept this time around So I want to explore it all before I talk about it
0: Cool, I hate tower (laughs) defence I love tower defence I just find it frustrating Um, (laughs) (laughs) I thought about checking out Carrion I nearly bought it But it's on Game Pass, on PC... And I don't want to spend money when I don't have to, so I'll probably check it out there. So I can't really talk about it yet anyway. Yeah. Okay, uh, I think that's about it then. Okay, guys, what are we playing in the coming week? Tori, we'll start with you.
1: Uh, well, I want to play a little bit more Rogue Company. Uh, if either of you want to play, if you get a code... Um... Yeah, that's it. Wrap it in. (laughs) I'll find you a code. (laughs) Uh, And like I said, Rock of Ages 3, and also hopefully my Lego Mario set will come this week.
2: Oh, that'd be a cool thing to talk about.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love Lego. Nice. And Andrew?
2: All the things that I was supposed to get next week have been pushed off into August, so I think I'm going to look at Carrion, actually, which is a Devolver digital game that came out this past week, so I'll, I'll be a week late on it, but that's okay.
0: I'll uh, well, I'll make an effort to to play that. I bit be, I believe it's only short. Will you though? Will you really? No, probably not. But I believe it's short, yeah. so that helps. <laughs> um, maybe it can be my my lunch hour game. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Uh, and me, probably that, and hopefully Paper Mario, because I really want to play some more of that. Uh, Yeah, that's it for me. And that's it for episode 121. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows. We're all part of the GamePodular network. Uh, The other shows are PlayState, which is a PlayStation show, and Power of X, which is an Xbox show. Uh, You can join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links for all that are in the show notes. If you want to support the GamePodular network, you can do so by buying us a coffee uh, or becoming a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both these things are on our website. The Patreon, I should add, is just being used as like a recurring tips jar. At this point, we're not getting any content. Everything you're getting is free, and frankly, you should because you've just listened to us. Um, this episode was edited by me, uh, which is—I'm sure you'll agree—it was really well edited, um, and you should specifically mention that in your review. Uh, and you can follow the three of us individually on Twitter. I'm at Host. Andrew is at play critically, and Tori is at Stew 2. That's STW TWO.